Well, we will be in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting with verse 11. And there's just a few verses. In January, we began looking at the letter known as 1 Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, wrote this letter to early Christians who were scattered, who were dispersed from Rome. However, it's, it's not just a message for the church in those days. It's a letter to the church now. And last time we saw Peter establishing reminders of our identity, who we are in Jesus. What Jesus has done in our lives should impact and influence how we live. Let me say that again. What Jesus has done in our lives by going to the cross, taking our sin burden upon himself, what he has done in our lives should impact and influence how we live. In essence... Peter has told us, remember who you are in Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we are, as Peter told us last time we were together in chapter 2, verse 9, he says that we are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a a people for God's own possession. We, We have been redeemed. We have been redeemed. We've been ransomed back because of what Jesus has done. And, and, and we are a peculiar people. Peter's saying, you can proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We who were once unwanted, once unclaimed, we have been purchased with nothing less than the blood of Jesus. We proclaim the kindness of the Lord because we have experienced the kindness of the Lord. The Lord has given us nothing less than himself. And as a result, what Jesus has done in our lives should impact and influence how we live. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Peter begins. He says, Beloved, I urge you as foreigners and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. Peter begins in this way, because I love you. We are beloved, and you know, if someone is feeling loved. If, if you and I are feeling loved, that, that goes a long way, doesn't it? it that, that covers a lot of ground. Peter says we are foreigners and strangers. We're citizens of, of the heavenly kingdom, in essence, and we're, we're exiled to the right here and the right now. For the time being, we're here, but we're not home yet. Peter is urging us to abstain from fleshly lusts. Because these fleshly lusts, they wage war against the soul. Paul, the apostle, he addresses these these fleshly lusts in Galatians chapter 5. He says this, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And then then Paul names them. He he goes down a list of, of these deeds of the flesh. He says they're evident, they're obvious. And this is Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, if you want to write that down. <laughs> he says, The deeds of the flesh are evident. They're sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, and he keeps going, <laughs> jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and then it, it builds all the way to, and things like these. And things like these. I mean, he said they were evident. You know, if it walks like a duck, <laughs> you know, you're able to tell. Things like these. And then, and then Paul says, I forewarn you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Paul, he's able to address the manner which we're able to walk by the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells us how, and he uses this picture of a soldier. He, he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Be strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist on the evil day. Stand firm, therefore having belted your waist with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having strapped on your feet the, the preparation of the gospel of peace, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You know, we're, we're being attacked by the evil one daily. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And Paul is saying that if we seek the strength of God, we're covered in truth, we're covered in righteousness, we're covered in the gospel, we're girded by faith and salvation, if we wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word, which is the Word of God. God's Word is our protection and our guide. It's our protection, but only if we ingest it, only if we devour it. We can't just throw the book in the bag on our back and, and go our own way. We've got to devour it, it's, it's, and it will transform our lives if we ingest it. And it will be the shield by which the Holy Spirit will, will fight the war that's going on against our souls. And so this morning, in, in verse 11, when, when Peter mentions this abstinence from fleshly lusts, it's connected to our behavior. And, and Peter says in verse 12, "...keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in, in the thing which they slander you as evildoers..." And we'll see what that is in just a moment. "...they may, because of your good deeds..." As they observe them, they may glorify God on the day of visitation. So as our abstinence from fleshly lusts there in, in verse 11 is connected to our behavior, as a result, we are being told by Peter to keep our behavior excellent, to, to hold ourselves with honor. Peter refers to the Gentiles here. He's referring to, to non-believers. You see this letter that he wrote those early Christians, those were made up of two groups. Peter was a Jew. He came to understand, like so many other Jewish persons who would become believers in the gospel, he was able to see Jesus as the one who was prophesied in the Old Testament. All those messianic prophecies, Peter and others were able to see Jesus being the fulfillment of those. And, and so... The early church, the early believers, they were, they were out of the Jewish faith originally. But there were also ones who were not of Jewish faith and origin. They were in that part of the world, but they came to the gospel. And, and so when Peter refers to the word Gentile here, he's referring to non-believers. Non-believers. Peter is saying we want God-honoring behavior to be witnessed by all those who don't believe in Jesus and all those who, who call us evildoers. They slander us as criminals. But we want our behavior to point them to the things of God. And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, He Himself preached, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We want our critics to to glorify God on the day of Christ's appearing. 
And this day of appearing doesn't necessarily mean judgment day. In the original language, this can mean any day which the Lord reveals himself to man. You know, the days when the Lord intersects with your life, the the days in which the Lord intersects with my life, those are days of visitation. And the Lord is always, he's always in the business of calling every man and woman to himself. For these non-believers, we want them to come to the Lord. And we want them, as, as Peter has told us, you know, salvation's the goal. We want them to come to the Lord. And we want them to come to the Lord because of us, not in spite of us. Well, then Peter, he trudges into territory which some would say where angels themselves would fear to tread. Verse 13, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you silence the ignorance of foolish people. Ooh, boy, that's a happy conversation these days, isn't it? Um, I don't have the privilege of just simply cherry-picking what this Bible says and what I bring before you. We, we look at this letter, and God inspired Peter to write it, and there was a reason then, and, and we share that now. This is one of these things that Scripture, we, we have to see it, and we have to engage it. And, and Peter is saying, for the Lord's sake... Because of the Lord, submit, obey. Every human institution, all ordinances, whether to a king, a sovereign, or governors, representatives of the king. Why is Peter saying do this? And it's a two-word answer. Our witness. Our witness. You see, the early church, some saw them as anti-political, anti-regime, dangerous insurrectionists. And Peter is saying, we want to point people to the gospel and you need to be good citizens. We don't want to misrepresent Jesus. In verse 14, Peter says to submit to governors sent by the king for the punishment of evildoers, for the praise of right doers. And some, some Bible teachers, they look at this language, look at their, for, at verse 14. That phrase is sent by him. Some Bible teachers say that that means as sent by God, the sovereign authority. So these governors, some say are sent by the king or others say are sent by God himself. There's a question which many have asked over many years. You've asked the question. I've asked the question. Why would God allow kings authorities and governors who, who don't honor him to serve over his people? And that's a logical, fair question. Why would God allow kings and authorities and governors who, who don't honor him to serve over his people? Regarding those persons with questionable character and leadership, a man named Martin Lloyd-Jones who was a pastor in London for decades, a physician called into the ministry. Martin Lloyd-Jones says it like this. Sometimes the Lord promotes 
And sometimes the Lord permits. And there's a difference there. Be it in a civic office or, some, or something else. Sometimes the Lord promotes an individual and sometimes the Lord simply permits. And we don't always know why. On this side of life, we, we may not know. But sometimes the Lord promotes and sometimes the Lord permits. Verse 14, For such is the will of God that by doing right you silence the ignorance of foolish people. There's a good friend of mine, a student pastor with whom I served for over a decade. And he says it like this, my friend Rick, Silence evil talk by doing good. Silence evil talk by doing good. Peter is saying, act as free people and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bondservants of God. Don't abuse your freedom. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. When we honor all people, when we honor something, we are assigning value. Peter is saying, love the brotherhood. And in, in the New Testament, there's more than one word for love. And Peter uses a word, agape. And, and that means to, to want the best for, to want the best for the brotherhood. Peter says, fear God, revere God. And really, if we are assigning value by honoring all people, and we're loving the brotherhood, and I know sometimes loving one another is hard. <laughs> but we are told, Peter is saying, honor all people, love the brotherhood, and fear God. And you know, if we're able to do that, we can honor the king. We're told to assign value to that one in authority. There's one thing of note about these doing words, these verbs, you know, the honor, the love, the, the fear, the honor twice. The way that these are written in the original language, the way that the designation is said, it's almost like saying I've got a red car or a blue car or yellow car. I mean, it's that distinct. They're called an imperative mood, meaning these words, honor, love, fear, and honor, again, the way they are written, they're commands. They're not suggestions. Peter is saying these are commands. Because of what God has done for us and because of who we are in Him, we reflect His glory. We are known as His people. We, we saw that. Uh, that's how we started this morning there in, in, in chapter 2, verse 9. We're, we're His people. We're a holy nation. We're, we're the Lord's peculiar possession. And, and because of this, we, we carry His brand. And this idea of brand... When we think of a certain brand, we, we have certain expectations. Be it, be it food or a type of service, be it a type of, uh, of musical instrument, brands carry expectations. And in the same way, because of what Jesus has done in our lives, this influences how we look and, and how we live. We, we are presenting the brand of Jesus. And this brand of Jesus, Peter says to abstain from lusts of the flesh. It's a challenge and a distraction from the things of God. When we take our eyes 
off of the Lord, our eyes will lead us to things which take us off of that good path. And we're all adult. You know, we know what that means. When we take our eyes off the Lord, our eyes will lead us astray. How we live and how we act, our character, is noticed by those around us. Peter is saying, let, let your behavior be excellent. Our, our behavior can influence non-believers. Actually, you know what? Our behavior does influence non-believers. People watch us. We, and we are to point them to the gospel. And it's a lot easier to do that if we don't keep surrounding ourselves with our own collateral damage. We honor civil authority by obeying civil laws. And this is important to note. I want you to see this. Peter is not talking about a situation in which one's faith is coming under fire from civil authorities. That's not what Peter's talking about. In fact, if that was the case here, Peter would go the other way. If this was a religious persecution, Peter would go the other way. And let me show you an uh, uh, for instance, when he did this. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they're going to the temple. And a crippled beggar sees them and he starts begging. And Peter says, look at us. And Peter says, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have I'll give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And the man gets up. And he's walking and he's leaping and he's, and he's praising God and all the people see him. And, and so Peter tells them what is going on and he begins to preach a sermon. And when Acts chapter 4 opens up, they're speaking and preaching and Peter and John are arrested. And the accusers at the trial, they, they inquire of Peter and John, by what power or in what name have you done this? And then Peter, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. The accusers, they observe the confidence of Peter and John. And they understand they're, they're uneducated. They're not rabbi. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're uneducated. They're untrained men. But they're amazed because they recognize these two as having been with Jesus. And then they turn and they see the man who had this crippled beggar who's now healed. He's standing right there with Peter and John. And they don't have anything to say. Then, but talking amongst themselves in, in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 15, these accusers say, what are we to do with these men? For, for the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it will not spread any further among the people, Let's warn them not to speak any longer to a person in this name. This name being Jesus' name. And so in Acts chapter 4 verse 18, they command Peter and John not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Ooh. And Peter and John, they answer, 
whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, make your own judgment. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Peter did not have any problem standing up for what we now call religious liberty. He had no problem standing up for that. However, in these verses in Peter's letter, Peter is not addressing religious persecution. That's not the context of this. We are not talking about being burned at the stake for not disavowing our faith. We are not being commanded by the state to sin. I mean, we've seen that in other places in in, in Scripture. But that's not what Peter's talking about. That's not the context of this part of the letter. Peter is saying, you're being called evildoers. Be good citizens. We're to be good citizens because we represent Christ. If we are emissaries of the king, we should try to stay on task with our conduct. We are told to honor the one in charge. Ooh. And that seems to be a challenge in these 21st century days, doesn't it? Regardless of which side of the political aisle one sits, we've seen conversations weaponized. We've we've seen this pandemic politicized. Our society questions everything from the integrity of leaders to the integrity of election results. Here's the thing. It's easier to honor the one in charge if you have kingdom vision. And this is what I mean. The way that I read Scripture, the way that we read Scripture at home, the way that I teach and preach Scripture is a biblical worldview. Meaning, if, if you look at the whole of life and culture through the lenses of the gospel, through the lenses of Scripture, it's a whole lot easier to make sense of this messed up, sin-sick world. It's a lot easier to realize that this is not supposed to be our ultimate destination. Because we are a people who've been ransomed by Jesus. We, we are a people. We are a nation set apart. We are God's unique, peculiar possession. And this is not our ultimate destination here. I, I teach that God is sovereign and that the Son of Man will return to, to set things right. We saw that at the end of the year back in Matthew 24. That the Son of Man is going to return to set things right. And, and this means a new heaven and a new earth. But for there to be a new heaven and a new earth, the Lord will make all things new. That means that all of this will stop. All of this will come to an end. All of this ends, and, and, and it means that we are strangers and aliens in a strange land. But if one has a worldview that is not biblical, and if one chooses to use the lens of contemporary culture to try to judge spiritual things, scriptural things, biblical things, if one tries to in- interpret the Bible through contemporary culture, 
One is choosing to be enlightened by the spirit of the age. And this is what that means. That's a journey that's going to be inconsistent. Inconsistent. And and this is why. Culture changes. What was contemporary culture back in 1990, for instance, is not contemporary culture in 2021. Whims and wishes change with the direction of the winds of flakes and fads and fashions. And, And that's now why some have confusion about which bathroom to use. Uh, why some have confusion about who should play on what team. See, it's hard to honor the one in charge if that's where your line of sight ends. If your line of sight ends with the kingdom of man, if you can't see beyond to a day where there will be a new heaven and a new earth with the Son of Man on His throne when the kingdom of heaven is consummated in full and all of this comes to an end... If you can't see that day, then you will always wring your hands when things don't go your way. And it will always be hard to honor the one in charge. What does Peter say this morning in this last verse? Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. All of the above can happen with minimal struggle if you and I give appropriate respect and response to the king of kings. And it's easier to honor a human king if one has made peace with the heavenly king of kings. What do we do with Jesus? Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 35, The Father loves the Son and has entrusted all things to his hand. And the one who believes in the Son has eternal life, but the one who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And we have wrath in the first place on us because we're sinners. We all need salvation because we've all sinned. And the price, the consequence of our sin is death. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were in our sin, Jesus coming to die for us. And and we're able to receive salvation and eternal life through faith in what Jesus has done. And and that great verse, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It's it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And, And this is what happens when we do that. This idea of the wrath of God. Romans chapter 5 tells us this. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, if we've trusted in what Jesus has done for us, we have peace with God. Friends, that's good news. And that's one of, the, one of the things about what Peter says. Remember who you are in Him. This is who you are because of what Jesus 
has done. You know, there's coming a day when Jesus is going to return. And we will see the heavenly kingdom consummated in full. But until that day comes, we have a responsibility to live lives which point to the things of God and Jesus as the true king.